Enterprise Management 360, your main source for tech news, analysis, podcasts, and videos for the enterprise. Welcome to the EM360 podcast, where we have a weekly conversation with people who are impacting the enterprise tech landscape. My name is Kate Strashny, and I'm the founder of Dedicated, a community committed to helping companies in the AI, ML, and data science space by assisting with brand awareness, social media strategy, and content amplification. Today, I'm joined by Colin Brown, Chief Marketing Officer at Revelate, and Nicholas Doyen, Chief Product Officer at Revelate. And we're here to talk to you about data productization and how to find success. Colin and Nick, welcome to the show. I'm very glad to host you here today. Thank you for having us. Super excited. Awesome. I think uh, we can go ahead and get started by just with a quick question, right? Maybe we start with Colin. Um, tell us about your role at Revelate. Sure. Uh, I'm Colin Brown. I'm the Chief Marketing Officer at Revelate. Uh, outside of running the, the marketing function, I get to spend a lot of time looking at trends and speaking to thought leaders in the space around what's happening and what's about to happen. Uh, so I'm excited to talk about data productization and the trends that are coming down the pipeline. Awesome. How about you, Nick? Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name's Nick. I'm the Chief Product Officer at Revelate. Um, I've been with the firm now for, for about six years, so it's uh, it's a space that I'm, I'm quite excited about and have a lot of background in. Um, you know, we, we started as a professional services organization uh, that was servicing capital markets institutions and have worked with some of the largest exchange groups and banks around the world um, and have now transitioned a lot of the learnings uh, about data products and data practices from capital markets into a multitude of industries that we're excited to talk about today. Amazing. Well, I'm really glad to have you both here. And as a reminder, we are here to talk about data productization and how to find success. So to kick things off, I would like to start by asking you to provide a brief explanation what exactly is a data product and how does it differentiate from other data related initiatives? Yeah, so, you know, at Revelate, we, we just define data products slightly differently than the, the current uh, definition that's within the market. Um, we really uh, talk about uh, data products as being curated, consumable uh, entities that are trusted, reusable and ready for consumption. Um, one of the, the core aspects of this is uh, we, we consider a data product the output of uh, product management principles being applied to data, um, which means that uh, you have both the expectations of uh, a product being applied to them, as well as the nuance of, of data um, as an entity and as a concept. Um, when we talk about a product, uh, generally we're referring to uh, the expectations that product management uh, applies to this entity. Um, for example, things like it has to be maintained, it needs to be trusted, there needs to be an owner and potentially a team behind it. Um, but most importantly, it's it has to solve a, a specific problem or a set of specific problems. One of the biggest things that we see often uh, when uh, talking about data products is they focus all on the data itself, uh, but really, you know, data products are there to service a specific line of business or specific need within the business um, in order for them to really transition from a data asset into that data product. Speaking a bit more tactically, you know, we, we define it as, as also uh, consisting of not just the data itself, but also the metadata, the semantics, the policies, entitlements, templates, uh, dashboards, et cetera, uh, that actually bring that, that data entity and data asset to life 
um, and it requires uh, a lot of this background uh, of a team and of a problem that it's trying to solve. Um, so, you know, when we think of data products, uh, it, it's it's really necessary for uh, organizations to be looking at uh, the data assets that they have, uh, but more importantly, the problems that they're facing uh, and figure out how those two marry together and, and who's going to be responsible for maintaining that over a set period of time. Yeah, thanks a lot for that, Nick. Um, just a follow-up question here. You mentioned that the data product should solve a problem or meet a need. Is is the problem or need typically defined by the data team or the business team? Uh, I would say right now it's defined by the data team, but but our <laughs> supposition is that it should be defined by uh, the people that are going to be using the data. Um, a lot of data management practices today uh, are kind of inside out, uh, where they focus on the data asset and all of the governance and management expectations that are applied to that data asset before they even start to think about how the data can be used and what it can be uh, leveraged for. Um, and so, uh, you know, we definitely uh, suggest uh, that organizations uh, start the other way around, uh, starting with the problem or with the you know, investment thesis or hypothesis that a, a given team inside uh, the company has, uh, and then work backwards to identify what data needs to be uh, sourced and how it needs to be prepared in order to um, properly service that use case in a repeatable manner that is expected with, with products. Yeah, th thanks for sharing that. Um, so data productization typically involves a convergence of business understanding and data science, like we were just talking about. What would you say are some of the key considerations that companies need to keep in mind when actually starting that journey of building a data product? Yeah, you know, we could probably do just a podcast on only that, but I'll, I'll try and keep a, a couple of these uh, uh, short. You know, the, the first and, and probably most important consideration that, that we suggest is that organizations uh, need to understand that introducing the concept of data products requires organizational change management practices. Um, it is imperative uh, that any organization that wants to start having a data productization practice recognizes that it changes the relationship between their business teams and their, their data teams. Um, and that changing relationship comes with a lot of overhead uh, that needs to be considered and needs to be managed uh, as with any change management practice inside of a company. Um, you know, they, there has to be uh, a, a sourcing of problems, a sourcing of uh, challenges that the business teams and the data users are facing. Uh, you need to understand where the, the slowdowns and, and servicing those uh, lines of business actually exist today and what the major frustrations are. Um, and uh, there needs to be a communication as you go through this implementation of data productization uh, as to how uh, that's going to change the lives of those users. Um, you know, change management, I, I can't stress it enough, is, is probably the most important aspect to consider uh, in order to identify, you know, whether a data productization journey is possible inside of your organization. Another key consideration is, is that data products uh, and, and the productization process goes well beyond just the data assets themselves. Um, a lot of organizations that, that we've been talking to 
uh, start off by saying, you know, we have all this great new sharing uh, capabilities. Uh, we're on Snowflake and we have uh, Snowflake shares or we're in Databricks and leveraging Unity Catalog um, or we're in one of the three major cloud vendors and, and leveraging some of the new sharing technologies that they've presented. And so now it's easier than ever to, to give people access to data um, that we have. And, and therefore, now is the time for us to, to start that productization journey. Um, but one of the things that uh, we, we often stress to these organizations is part of your data product is all of the information around the data product. It's the, the tools that help people discover that data product exists. Um, it's the, uh, the ability for those users to evaluate the data product before implementing it in a production workflow. Um, and it's also the ability to streamline the approval processes uh, and fulfillment processes of getting the data into the hands of those users. Um, and the reality is uh, for a lot of organizations, um, once they have productized their data, uh, it no longer sits in the data teams to, to do that fulfillment. Uh, and it instead uh, sits in the operational teams to uh, land the requests coming in from the business lines and uh, feed through the data products to, to those users. Um, and so it's, it's really important that when you look at data productization, you sit outside of just the technical implementation and think about the organizational process and the information uh, gathering process that, that needs to be present in order for users to engage with those data products. Right. And, you know, you mentioned tools and processes. I was just curious, are there any metrics that are typically considered to evaluate maybe the success or progress of the data product initiatives? A uh, type of metric that we see a lot of organizations uh, studying and reflecting on is, is the actual usage metrics. Um, you know, how often is this data product being used? Um, what's the cadence of that usage? You know, are they coming in and accessing it once a day? Is it uh, a, a data products that's used once a week or uh, once a month in order to feed into you know specific uh, weekly or monthly cadences, um, or is it a data product that is being used by many users and many uh, applications uh, all at once? Um, it okay. depends on the data product itself, of course, but uh, you know each product needs its own set of metrics, uh, very similar to how each non-data product, you know, application that organizations are running also has that expectation to have um, a, a variety of uh, metrics that are specific to that product. I love it. I was waiting for the it depends answer because <laughs> I figured that's where this is going to go because it does, right? It depends on the actual data product. Totally. So moving on, um, you know, turning data into a valuable product is typically only half the battle. So how can organizations effectively bridge the gap between data literacy and business literacy to ensure the successful adoption and utilization of these products by end users? Yeah, this has been something that has been really interesting to talk to organizations about. Because when we talk about context to data, it typically ends up as a quality and a lineage conversation, which is important. It's important to know where the data comes from and if you can trust it. But we also need to talk about use case and impact, which is, a, which is the business literacy side of this. And, and the business teams have always been encouraged to improve the language of data that they speak. Uh, but we also need to encourage the data teams to improve the business language that they speak, because that context of use case and impact is really important and is the genesis and reason to, to, to create data products in an organization. If you're not designing data to solve a business problem, 
then then what's the point? You might as well continue to provision access and provision data in, in the ways that you are, which is not really scalable. So how can how can we improve business literacy? Well, this is where Nick's mentioned several times the collaborative approach between different groups. Uh, and, and you see the real importance of a data steward, although it's, it's really hard to find that perfect person who can bridge the gap between the two. And so assuming that perfect person doesn't exist between the line of business and the data team and in guiding the data usage, uh, then it's about being curious. Uh, it's about trying to use simple language because the use case and the impact in certain business units is pretty complex. They have some advanced use cases that they want to explore or try to accomplish. Uh, and maybe the impact might be a simple sentence of we want to improve this or we want to generate revenue from that, et cetera. How they get there and why they get there is not always a straightforward uh, answer. And so I think there's a lot of empathy that needs to come in, coming back to what Nick was saying around change management and the ability for these groups to sit down. Now, the good thing about taking on data productization as an approach is once that conversations happened and that data products being consumed, well, that data products reusable, assuming people have the right uh, permissions and access to that data product. And therefore the use case carries with it too. So it becomes this really interesting way to share business context through the lens of data to other groups. If you work say with a, you know, uh, analytics group and they're trying to build out dashboards for supply chain, uh, well, maybe the information and the context and the, the business case that they've built over there and the data they've now provisioned for it can be used and valuable to another group within the organization, maybe pricing, uh, maybe finance, maybe marketing. Um, and so that reuse of data product that comes with the business context is a great way to improve the business literacy alongside data. Right. I, I think it, it is definitely two sides of a coin, the business literacy and data literacy. We, we can't keep making the business learn data literacy. We need to make the data folks learn business literacy as well. So I love I love that. I think I want to shift over to challenges, right? Because all great things um, come with challenges. And I think data productization is not, not special and it also has some challenges. So I really wanted to get into that. What are some challenges with current approaches for data productization and how does Revelate actually address these challenges? Sure, I'll, I'll, I'll start first. And I know Nick's got uh, several things that he's lived through. Um, provision, getting data to people is not an easy thing. And the current ways of provisioning and, and fulfilling data requests is highly manual. Uh, there's a lot that people have to hold in their head to ultimately you know, securely get the data to whoever the consumer is. And what we believe is data products are this absolute weapon for data governance. Um, it allows you to have executable governance sharing, data sharing policies alongside these business use cases. So, you know, speaking from the positive to switch back to the, the challenge, the challenge is actually holding good governance around data sharing. It's a massive challenge in the industry right now in uh, you know, policies being on paper, but not in practice, that you know, data is fluid, uh, that you're constantly migrating cloud, sources are all over the place and the business cases continue to improve and adapt. And the ability to have good governance and rigor is a massive challenge 
in market right now. And this, the data product's a great vehicle to practically execute governance policies around data sharing. It's a huge challenge and opportunity that we see with this, this trend in market. But maybe Nick, I'll ask you if you've seen some other challenges you'd like to share. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think the the governance piece is is one that every organization is concerned about as they approach data products. Um, but I think one of the, one of the the quiet or silent uh, challenges that uh, organizations are facing right now is um, not actually having a way for their uh, their data users to discover what actually exists and is available or potentially available to them in order for them to uh, uh, start gaining value out of it. Um, when we look at, at uh, technologies like Snowflake, uh, Databricks, uh, AWS, um, at even some of the more historical ones like Oracle or Cloudera, um, one of the, the uh, most interesting things that you'll see is they're all built by the exact same people um, servicing the exact same types of people, which are uh, you know native data, data people. Um, everything is organized in databases and schemas and tables. Uh, they're designed for people that are used to working with data in a day-to-day basis uh, to be able to find stuff that they already have. Uh, but one of the things that uh, everyone is forgetting is, you know, there's this huge amount of data that's available inside of the business that could be used uh, for different use cases, um, but aren't being leveraged because of how hard they are to, to actually find and uh, realize as available. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that, that we often uh, advise organizations to do is uh, go beyond uh, just what is available natively inside of the data store um, and present these uh, data assets as data products specifically for consumption and for discovery. Um, and naturally, we, we get asked a lot, so is that what a data catalog does? And uh, we have to give an emphatic, not really, uh, <laughs> because uh, a lot of uh, data catalogs, uh, their entire purpose of being is to inventory the data assets as opposed to present the data products. Um, and so we really advise organizations to not look at a catalog as a solution to the discovery problem, because again, it's a, a technology and a service that is servicing the data user, uh, as opposed to uh, enabling the, the lines of business to be able to discover and leverage data products for their use cases. Yeah, thank you both for highlighting those challenges. I just wanted to quickly follow up with um, Conley. I think you mentioned this one of policies, getting them from paper to practice. Do you have any quick advice on how companies can actually move forward with getting those policies off of just paper and into practice? Well, it's, it's, a, it's a very low level answer, which is as you institute those policies into systems, um, the data product can execute that at the time of consumption. So it's a, it's, a, it's a big answer to a very specific question, which is which policies get access when? Well, it could be something as simple as to Nick's point around discovery. If someone shouldn't see this, they just can't, right? right? Um, so that is a great way to improve, get towards this self-service outcome uh, without really bringing in the risk of people finding things they shouldn't have access to. Uh, and then there's data level uh, permissions that you can set as well, where uh, people can't access certain parts of the data product or restricting rows and columns. Uh, so those are some really granular items that a data product creates an advantage for. Nick, I don't know if you want to talk us some more, some of those technical items quickly. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think uh, especially with with the rise of data warehousing technologies and and some of the more uh, data as a service and data sharing uh, technologies, there's now an opportunity for uh, policies to be implemented at the read level as opposed to at the data level, um, and that means that merging the the contractual obligations um, into the technical implementation is is much easier. Uh, now, the, the important thing is there, there's latency every time you, you impact the read time um, uh, access. And so uh, it's important to identify within those policies which ones are important uh, to have at that read level access and which ones can sit at the data level because the, the latency they uh, institute is too high. Uh, a great example of that is, you know, uh, masking of, of personal I personally identifiable information, um, where uh, doing that at a read time can be very, very expensive. And so you should be uh, creating uh, masking policies in the actual data level. Uh, but again, it's really going to depend on the use case as well. Uh, but you now have options available to you and you can design your data product based off of the, the policy expectations around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, thank you for that. Um, I'd love to hear from both of you around a real-world use case where a company effectively solved a business problem by using a data product. Yeah, I think um, you know one that we uh, we talk about a lot is is one of our our uh, greatest uh, successes, I think, um, which is with the Chicago Mercantile Exchange Group, uh, the largest exchange in the world, um, where we've been working with them now for seven years, uh, building out. Uh, CME data mine, uh, which is their externally facing uh, data marketplace platform. Um, and within that, uh, you know, it started out with with just a couple of data products. I think we maybe had four or five uh, back seven years ago um, that were being managed by uh, multiple people, uh, different departments were each uh, uh, contributing and managing those different uh, data products. And, and now the platform is at 86,000 uh, data products at varying wow. levels of granularity. Uh, but the most important part of this story is uh, there's only one product management team that, that manages the entirety uh, of the platform and of the data products within there. Um, and we, we like this as a use case because it really introduces uh, a sense of scale that data productization can get to inside of organizations when you really take the time to institute and uh, design a data product management practice inside of your firm. Um, it did not switch from uh, multiple teams to a single team overnight. Uh, it was something that uh, the organization as a whole had to build uh, expertise, uh, build uh, collaboration between units, uh, and build collaboration with customers in order to identify the areas they needed to optimize and they needed to evolve. Um, and so, you know, one of the key takeaways here, uh, and it's it's one that I think runs throughout the whole of the podcast is collaboration with your stakeholders is, is the number one uh, uh, key to, to being able to um, have successful data products, but then also successfully scale your data productization practice. Yeah, thanks, Nick. I, um, Colin, do you have a use case that you'd like to discuss? Yeah, I, and I, there's a CPG company that we've been working with, uh, and I, I think it's a great story around the portability of a data product. So they wanted to improve how supply chain access data to um, 
increased uh, decreased time to decision and be able to open up more insights around pricing and inventory volume, et cetera. Uh, what they, in the process of going through that, uh, it was really interesting to see that the products they were going to consume internally to improve their business, they quickly had the realization that their partners in the supply chain also wanted that data and they turned around and monetized that data. So they took, they, they double, they got the double benefit from the data product, which was let's do this for us. Let's make sure that we have the insights and the data that we need to drive our business, become more data driven. And then they quickly realized these are the same pieces of information our supply chain partners have asked for. And in some cases they shared because it improved the ultimate service uh, and their, their production line. In other cases, they started to charge them for it. Uh, and, it and, and this, I think, is the you know, data monetization is, is getting a lot of airtime these days, but that's where everyone's starting. And, and that wouldn't have been possible without the concept of a data product because of the way it's constructed, it's just a set of permissioning to make it available external versus internal instead of a complete project to rewrite how you're going to distribute data externally to parties that need that data. Uh, and with the, the real trend in AI and ML, a lot of third party and second party data is going to be required to drive that kind of technology adoption. Wow, very interesting. I think we can probably do a whole other podcast on data monetization and portability of data and uh, very, very cool story. Thank you for sharing that. I think at this point, it's time to get your crystal ball out because I do want to talk briefly about future trends. So as, as the landscape of data products continues to evolve, what emerging trends or technologies do you see shaping the future of data productization? And also how is Relvolate adapting to stay ahead? Yeah, I, I have some opinions on this. Uh, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, one of the things uh, to call out is uh, right now, data productization and, and the data product landscape is evolving in the same way that the data management landscape has been evolving for the last five years. And that's by continuing to focus very heavily on uh, the data practitioner and on the data management teams. And we, we personally think that's a mistake. Um, you know, we, we see data mesh uh, popping up a lot recently um, where, you know, data mesh is a, a operational framework for how data products are created um, and how to do that in a decentralized way. Uh, as well as Gartner just uh, launched on their newest hype cycle, uh, self-service data management, uh, which is not the self-service by the data consumer, but rather self-service data management as a tool for uh, data teams and data operators to self-service create data products. Um, and so, you know, right now we see a lot of uh, parallels uh, between the data productization uh, landscape and, and data management. Um, and we, we think that uh, this needs to change and it will change uh, to the consumer focused lens. Um, uh, like we've been talking about, uh, the line of business is, is the true uh, holder of budget uh, as well as the true holder of use case. Um, and they're going to be demanding far more uh, capabilities uh, to be presented to them as a way for them to take control and ownership over uh, the acquisition of data products that service their business. Um, and we think that pressure is really going to cause the data management teams and the data operators to shift their focus from uh, enabling themselves to enabling the stakeholders uh, that they need. 
Um, so uh, we, we hope that it, it follows that trend because we, we really do feel that that is the key to uh, unlocking data products uh, successfully. Um, and uh, we think the market's going to rise up uh, pretty soon. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Nick. Now, to wrap things up, I would like each of you to share a piece of advice for organizations that are considering data productization and maybe throw in a couple of steps that they can take to prepare themselves and actually succeed on the journey. Yeah, I would, I would share a mindset, which is kind of a theme you've heard throughout to us on the podcast, which is this is, a, this is not a data problem. This is a business problem. And so think business in, not data out. Um, think about the use cases that are of high impact uh, and, and go and solve those with data. Don't try and uh, boil the ocean. Go and solve specific problems for specific people. And as you continue to do that, data products are reusable. You'll end up with a whole catalog of usable business-ready data. Yeah, and I think to, to just drive that home, really start small. Uh, it's, it's important to, to make sure that you test out the, the process and the way in which you want to design these data products in a, a very controlled environment. Um, we see a lot of organizations that are trying to sprint towards a sophisticated data productization practice, and, and they're just not ready on an organizational level nor on a, a, on a practice level. Um, and so we, we advise all of the customers that we work with to, to pick one or two use cases that they see as uh, replicable uh, across their business and, and start out with those. Thank you. Just to summarize, so everyone go ahead, solve specific business problems for very specific people, start small in a controlled environment. And I think collaboration is something that you mentioned probably 50 times throughout this short podcast. So I'll throw that one in there as well. And I just want to say thank you so much to Colin and Nick for joining us today. I really appreciate you coming onto the podcast. Also, thank you so much for everybody who's listening. We really hope you took a lot away from today's podcast. And for further information on what we've talked about, you can go ahead and head on over to revelate.co. We'll be back next week with another episode in the podcast series. Until then, make sure you subscribe to this podcast and all the major platforms. Follow the conversation on their socials at EM360Tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And for more great daily content, head on over to EM360Tech.com. Thank you.